Hello, and welcome back to Deep Lorable, a podcast where a couple of friends dredge the internet for the deepest lore. I'm Michael Bastine. And I'm Billy Staples. And today our topic is Sour Patch Kids. Now, usually we jump right into it, but a couple of point of order things. I have moved, which is exciting, but also you're going to notice a little bit of an echo in my recordings for a couple episodes, probably, until I can get some studio foam in here or something. Oh. Uh, but in other news, Billy, uh, why don't you give why don't you give our listeners a quick rundown on Sour Patch Kids before we jump into the episode fully? So Sour Patch Kids, or as they're known in the Canada in Canada and UK, uh, Maynard's Sour Patch Kids. I think I said that right. Uh huh. Did you get the French uh, translation <laughs> for Sour Patch Kids? Because because you should in, also mention that in France they're called Very Bad Kids. I personally love that. Yeah. Uh, they're a type B. They are a brand of soft candy with a coating of invert sugar and sour sugar, so that give it the sour and then sweet flavor that it's known for. Yeah, they're like I don't know if you ever had Swedish fish. They're oh, kind of like so if you imagine Swedish fish, but instead of being quite so like thick, they're a little a little thinner, a little lighter. Different flavors in each piece. And yeah, coated in that nice sour coating that eventually gives way to a sweetness. How is your research, Billy? So there wasn't, at least that I could find, there wasn't all that on the past for it. But I did find some fun little bits of information. Yeah. And then I dived into the commercials and... yes. There we go. <laughs> not as not as cursed as the as the Skittles ones, but definitely, definitely out there. The well of lore goes deep for Sour Patch Kids. I don't know the full extent, the fullest extent of what we're gonna unpack here today with the Sour Patch verse, the Sour verse, the Sour verse, the Sour verse. But, oof. There's some things. What did you find? What what did you find as far as like the history and stuff goes for Sour Patch Kids? So when they were first initially launched, they were originally shaped as Martians to kind of capitalize on the space enthusiasm of the 70s. Really? And, yeah. And they were known as Marsmen. Huh. That Like, that's actually a really fun marketing strategy. And I'm kind of disappointed that they they left that. They left it because in the 1980s, they switched them to children because Cabbage Patch Kids were the, the the craze at that time. That makes sense. I still feel the way I do about it, though, because like, yeah, well, maybe maybe the, you know, sign of times kind of thing. I also discovered that there's a video game. Oh, yeah, there does seem to be a video game. And boy, howdy, is it a game? World Gone Sour is the name of it, and it was published by, it was developed by Playbrains and published by Capcom. That would explain why it seemed like it was somewhat quality. Were you able to, I saw some of the gameplay, did you actually, yeah. I did not look into it because when I hear Sour Patch Kids and video game, I get really scared. Oh, that's fair. You know, that's fair. Now that I think about it. I've seen the, um. The Captain Crunch video games. I'm watching gameplay of World Gone Sour. Yeah. 
it is it exactly kind of how I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's something. It's got that like punk sort of surrealist horror kind of vibe to it that frankly I kind of love it. It's, it's terrible. It's terrifying. The graphics are very dated. <laughs> oh yeah, they're they're the graphics on that game are not something to write home about. The announcer, though. <laughs> the announcer the, is on the point. The commentator. He, he definitely, the narrator, whatever you want to call him. Got a, got a very troublemaker voice. Yeah, strong. So if you'll notice, this game has a couple of strong influences. One, Little Big Planet. Yeah. Like strong Little Big Planet vibes. Two... <laughs> Those little, the little tiny Sour Patch kids that run around uh, follow very. <laughs> That's your cat. Are you done? No, but no, the 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 little Sour Patch kids in the Sour Patch Kids game make a lot of very similar sounds to Pikmin from the Pikmin yeah. games. And by similar, I mean. It's like they heard all the Pikmin noises and were like, we're going to use those, but we don't have the audio files, so we'll just make our own. I can I see a lot of inspiration in this. I know. Little Big Planet. Pikmin, because the little little guys that follow you around. Yeah. That you can toss. Also, Mario. It's you the way you kind of stomp on your enemies. Yeah. I, I started looking into the game and I'm uh, part of me was like, I gotta talk, we gotta talk about, we have to consider the lore implications of this game on the overall Sour Patch, sa- Sour Patch? Sour- Sourverse? Well, we, we were saying Sourverse, I kind of like Sour Patch, but it does break sort of the mold of the, like the Crunchiverse, the Sourverse. Hold on, is the Skittlesverse. This- I'm still watching the gameplay. I, we're to a boss fight now. Yep. The boss is a shoe with gum with all gum over it. gum stuck on it, yeah. All right. This is definitely some kind of post-apocalypse. Oh. It's some kind of post-apocalyptic. Figured out how the game fits into the lore. <laughs> oh, I figured out how the game fits into the lore. Well, that's for later in the episode now, because now we have to go and start talking about flipping the rest of things. Okay. All right, Billy, do you want to start like, because we got to, so we have to kind of establish what are the Sour Patch Kids? We've established what they are in real life as the candy, but we're talking about the Sourverse now. What have you pieced together in terms of their lore? They range from anywhere to the the size of the actual candy to a toddler. Mm-hmm. There was one commercial I found that had a police lineup in it. Yeah. Did you find that commercial? Yeah, I found that commercial. So the, so the important bit. So there are two important bits of lore that we can glean from that commercial. Well, three technically. The first. So it seems like they can at least get to two feet tall because that that police lineup has markers on it. It has height markers. 
because that's how those work. Yeah. And the Sour Patch Kid reaches just above the two foot mark. Uh, and that's for the bigger ones. The second is that Sour Patch Kids have legal rights. Like they can fe- face legal repercussion for their actions. And three, which is less important, but, you know, because mostly because we've seen them do it in other places. The Sour Patch Kids are capable of violence to the point of assault. Like that man was in a state. Yeah, he was he was bloodied. I think he had a broken arm. He was he was not looking good. No, like he was up and moving around, but he was he was like he had been beaten. And while we can certainly point to the little statistical problems with someone picking out a person in a police lineup and all you know all of the false convictions there was only one Sour Patch Kid in that police lineup. It's gonna be kind of hard to confuse yeah. the Sour Patch Kid with the other humans. Something that I, in my research, got pointed out to me that I now can't unsee. The the edge of the box has that, like, the dotted design. Yeah. Those dots aren't actually dots. They're tiny little scaled down Sour Patch Kids. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You are absolutely right. Like looking back on it, every time I saw the box, it was just like, oh, it's just a fun little part of it. And it's then I re- just fluff, yeah. But no. It's just a pile of Sour Patch Kids on either side. The other little bit of information I have. Mm. The original mascot. Yes. Was actually one of the head designers. Son. Was was the original mascot. Was uh, designed after his son. And then later on, they added a, uh, they added a girl. Uh-huh. So it was a guy, it was the, the, the boy and the girl. And then much later... Closer to around, it's more recent than the other two. They switched from the the cartoon boy and girl to just the candy as the mascot. The first packages of Sour Patch Kids featured a blonde boy based off of Frank Galatoli. Galatoli? It's guillotine. G-A-L-A-T-O-L-I-E. I mean, that sounds like a good enough uh, stab at it. We have on numerous occasions established that we are... We are native English speakers and native no other languages. And then later in 1992, the package featured a more modern looking Scott, which is the name of Frank's son, with a baseball cap as well as a girl. Okay. This box featured the old catchphrase, which was sour than sweet, which was eventually transformed into sour, sweet, gone as it is now. Oh, okay. I was going to say, what is it now? I thought that was still the catchphrase. No. And then in 2010, they ditched the boy and girl mascots in favor of the candy themselves. In 2010? Yeah. From 92 to 2010. I feel like I always remember the Sour Patch Kids, the candy being the mascot. I as well thought that the candy was the mascot the in- for forever, but I also don't eat this candy on the regular because I'm not a fan of sour things. In 2013, they actually added blue raspberry to the original flavors. The original flavors being orange, cherry, lemon, and lime. 
sorry, I'm I'm looking up the the Sour Patch Kids mascots now, and it's it's almost impossible to find the like the ones that aren't the candy. I found an old cover of an old packaging for it that features the the blonde child. Yeah. So the small one. So we we talked about how the Sour Patch Kids come in different sizes and uh, range from the size of the actual candy to about a little over two feet tall. So the smaller ones were strong enough to manually, with a with a hacksaw, saw through a steel pipe with six of them. I, wait, I think I remember that. Yeah, that was the pineapple one. Yeah, the commercial. So there. So just for a little bit of context for our, for our listeners, there was a a commercial in which there was a large, uh, like one of those. Um, restaurant kind of signs with the novelty shape at the top of it. You know how like some of them have a big donut and some of them have a big soda cup or whatever. I think uh, Dairy Queen has something like that. Not the flat variety, the full like 3D version. This particular sign had a giant pineapple on top of it. And the Sour Patch Kids had crawled up to where this pineapple was sitting atop this sign and with just kind of a manual hacksaw, you know, one of those little, one of those little like C, C C-shaped ones, sawed through the steel pipe there, the connector, the thing that was holding it up, like the, the, the pole that this pineapple was standing atop to intentionally drop it on someone's car or at least seemingly intentionally. It's hard to tell. Now, as far as we know, this was not attempted murder because the person who had been driving the car had already walked, gotten out of her car and was walking away. But they were a good halfway through by the time she was about 10 feet away. So it might have been attempted murder or they might have just not cared. But this is a terrifying, terrifying fact because the amount of strength that the little like these little things the little Sour Patch Kids exhibit regularly. There's another commercial in which uh, the uh, just three of them, of the little little candy-sized ones, little inch-high ones, are standing at the edge of a basketball hoop and are deflecting oncoming basketball shots from a professional basketball player whose name escapes me at the moment. Billy, do you remember who it is? No, I do not. I actually don't remember seeing that one. Ben Simmons, there it is. That took too long to find. So there are three, just three of them. They're on the edge of this basket, like they're on the rim of this basketball hoop, and they're blocking basketball shots from Ben Simmons. You know the kind of, like, disproportionate strength that these little things have to have to pull that off? They have no leverage on that. Zero. They are secretly ants. I don't know that it's secretly, but there's more, Billy. There's so much more. That's just scratching the... That's not even scratching the surface of what these terrifying little abominations are capable of. Remember that commercial where they dropped a pineapple on somebody's car and totaled it? Yeah. So, it's unclear just how long it took them to do it. Because, you know, movie magic and commercials and stuff. 
but it seemed like it was intended for it to be basically seconds. They used that pineapple that they dropped on the person's car to completely repair the vehicle and renovate it so that there was now a pineapple like kind of sticking out of the top of the car. Mind you, this had an entire restaurant sign flatten it. Yeah. Like, any mechanic, you show any mechanic the damage on that car before the Sour Patch Kids fixed it, and that mechanic would say, it's literally not worth the time and the money, get a new car. Sour Patch Kids, not only did they fix it in, like, record time, using... Seemingly, now it was off screen, so we're not 100% sure on this one either. Seemingly, though, the only excess material that they used was the pineapple that they dropped on it. And not only was it functioning, but she was the driver was able to drive it away. Those tires would have been blown. Like, the back tires of that vehicle would have been busted open. Somehow they fixed those tires. I don't know if they replaced them or they repaired them. They were able to use an acetylene torch. Like four four of the little guys were crawling on this little torch, one of those little blow torches that you can, little handheld ones, and use that in like the process of mending and welding the car back together. These little things are a force to be reckoned with force to be reckoned with they are a force that i believe caused (laughs) brought about the end of humanity not in no not the end i think that they are a byproduct of what about what brought about the end of humanity and i'm basing that thought off of the game yeah so so here's the thing These things are obviously hyper-intelligent, or at least incredibly capable. They are also wildly chaotic. They've done, you know, every kind of heinous action that uh, we're allowed to show on commercials. And yet they always somehow seem to get away with it. I propose that these Sour Patch Kids have some kind of low-level telepathic field within the lore of the Sourverse. That is how they could get away with some of the stuff. That's kind of my logic behind it, because they seem to get people to forgive anything with just the minimal amount of effort. Now, the 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 example with the car commercial is obviously one more. Um, it's a fairly extreme example, but a lot of case in a lot of cases they just assault people and then kind of hug their leg. Or pat them on the face or offer them a towel. And people just forgive them like instantly, which I would never happen if you want like you or I assaulted someone in real life. Yeah, but so I, I, I feel like that is evidence of some kind of low level telepathic field, like I was saying, which is influencing people to forgive them. Despite how, you know, heinous they they have been acting, which already sort of indicates some kind of supernatural uh, 
force that these things are able to exert. But I have more evidence of this, because admittedly, that's just kind of speculation. Um, we have a confirmed thermokinetic ability. We, we have confirmed examples both of pyrokinesis and cryokinesis exhibited by the little, the little candy-sized Sour Patch Kids. Um, did you see one of uh, any of the commercials for the fire, the the fire and freeze Sour Patch Kids? No, I haven't. Okay, so there are some variants of the Sour Patch Kids called Fire and Freeze, which I presume are spicy or have that icy hot mint thing. Yeah, and we see both uh, variants of the Sour Patch Kids firing, like just hurling balls of fire and ice at each other. Wizards. I don't think it's wizards. I think it's atomic energy. And that's some bad science, but it works out. It worked for... The guy who does the science of videos? No, Billy, what's his name? What's uh From the DC universe. He's two guys, a professor and a football player. Oh, um, Adam? Did he, was Professor he called Adam? Was he called Adam? I don't remember. I don't remember his name, but I, I know he controlled like the atomic makeup of things. Only reason I remember that is because he was in one of the uh, cartoons was trying to change uh, green kryptonite to like black kryptonite or something that would just was stop. it Firestar? It might have been Firestar. No, it's not Firestar. It's not Sunfire. It's not Fire Lord. It's not Phoenix. It's not Jim Hammond. Wow, okay, so just, it's Firestorm, that's what his name is. I found Firestorm. Yes, Firestorm. Firestorm. Which, just just brief aside to, I found, I just, I found a, a top ten comic book superheroes who use fire. And just this, li- here's, here's this list real quick, because the names of these creatures, these people. Uh, we have Ghost Rider, okay, that's fair. We all, we all know and love Ghost Rider. Uh, we yeah. have Fire, Firestar, Sunfire. Fire Lord, Phoenix, Firestorm, Sunspot, the Human Torch, and Jim Hammond. What? One of these things is not like the other. So, man, some of these names are just not very, like, Ghost Rider, good name. Phoenix, okay, I'll take it. Firestorm, alright, not terrible. Sunspot, okay, that's a pretty solid one. The Human Torch. Hey, you you did it. You kind of. Fire? You just call just it, fire. Just, just fire? Still, we're, we're getting off track. I'm thinking it's some kind of nuclear fission that's causing the this, this sort of pyro and cryokinesis. I think that the Sour Patch Kids in the Sourverse were created by experiments with radiation and radioactive materials in an attempt to make the perfect candy. (laughs) And this experiment went, interestingly, and the result was the Sour Patch Kids. The Sour Patch Kids, if you remove the head of one of them, you can stick the head of another onto the first one, and it will join together... And the Sour Patch Kid will still be able to function seemingly fine. The Sour Patch Kids, when drinking a Slurpee, because apparently they can drink Slurpees, by the way. I don't know if you knew this. 
Yeah, I saw that commercial. Yeah, its head froze into a block of ice and shattered. So it regrew a head. Yeah. These things are capable of regeneration to the to an extreme level that oh just oh. They put Deadpool to shame with their regeneration abilities. Sometimes, yeah. I I think Deadpool can regrow a head, but I don't know about that one. I don't know. For a call once in the comic, he re he regenerated his entire body, so Yeah. Sour Patch Kids gum, by the way, also seems to have mending qualities on the Sour Patch Kids. Um, if yeah. you use if you use Sour Patch gum to stick a Sour Patch Kid's arm back onto its body, it will then seemingly instantly be able to have full control over that limb again. But here's the other reason why I think that the people, some scientists in the Sour Patch, the Sourverse, have been experimenting with radiation as a way to create new thing like new creatures and that's reverse cupid uh so ignoring all of the rest of the stuff surrounding reverse cupid there is an entity in the sourverse that calls itself himself reverse cupid who appears to be able to teleport himself and other creatures at will he can just appear wherever he see he wants to be as far as i can as far as i can tell now there may be some limitation on this we only have one commercial really to go off of but he then is also able to intentionally summon other people to his location and then send them away again this reverse cupid appears to be in some way quant- like quantumly displaced or able to just sort of... So you know how electrons just kind of displace themselves between the different like layers of an atom? Or at least so yeah. we think. So basically, he can do that, but with all of him. And the only way you should be able to do that is with high levels of energy. Usually, we can only get those exceedingly high levels of energy with the use of radiation or fission. A fission reaction is usually kind of one of the only things that can... Not the only things, but... It's one of the easiest ways to get that kind of degree of energy release. And so with all of these kind of put together, I propose that in the Sourverse, there is a company. Presumably the company that makes Sour Patch Kids. Thank you for finding that logo, by the way. I do remember those, those mascots now. Yeah. It's very 90s. So the Sour Patch, the, the company in the Sourverse, which makes the Sour Patch Kids, is experimenting with radiation and nuclear energy to create a, the perfect candy line. And after some, some mistakes and some fails and some, you know, problems, they finally create the Sour Patch Kids. Now, these Sour Patch Kids are initially seemingly perfect. Because no one can think otherwise. Because of this low-level telepathic field that the Sour Patch Kids give off. People can only think that they're great. Sour Sweet, gone. 
So even though the Sour Patch Kids are not the perfect candy, that they even though they are in fact terrible, everyone loves them. And this leads to a period in which the Sour Patch Kids slowly gain more and more prominence and more and more control over society and are allowed to kind of run rampant. Different variants are made, and as the Sour Patch Kids continue in their life cycle, because they now have a life cycle thanks to the candy-making company that gave them life, they begin to grow. But that's not enough for the company, because of course with capitalism, you have to keep going. You have to go further. You always go further. And so they keep experimenting. And that's how this reverse Cupid gets to be made. He's another one of those mistakes, those missteps as they try to make something. They try to make infinite Sour Patch Kids by abusing the idea of that concept of in quantum mechanics where unless it's observed, it's in two places at once. Yeah. So in theory, if you like, th- so this company, this company is trying to use that concept to make a bag of Sour Patch Kids candy that never empties. But in doing so, one of the one of the researchers accidentally gets I was trying to think of a verb form of like Marvel or DC superheroed and ends up as reverse Cupid. Now, of course, this is not a superhero world, so I was <laughs> he doesn't become a supervillain or a superhero. He just becomes weird. An entity. An entity. However, it starts to get to the point where enough people are negatively influenced by the Sour Patch Kids that the low-level telepathic field doesn't hold. And so this is when legal action begins to be taken against the Sour Patch Kids. People attempt to begin to try the Sour Patch Kids as though they were humans. I don't know if you've found the commercial with this lawyer. I don't remember what his name was. I have found several of the commercials involving the lawyer. Do you remember this lawyer's name? No, I do not. Uh, here, give give us a give us a rundown on the lawyer because I'm I'm talking a bunch, but I have I have a this whole plot laid out. So, the from what I remember, the lawyer, in air quotes, wasn't an actual lawyer. Is his his goal is to debunk every claim against the Sour Patch Kids that they are evil, and so people would submit on the Facebook page their submissions showing evidence that the Sour Patch Kids are malicious and he would find loopholes and ways to justify what the little candy has done. Or big candy. Or big candy. Exactly. And I think you've hit the nail on the head that these candy are, this candy is evil. It is not benevolent in the slightest. Just because they do minor things to kind of make you feel better about the terrible things that they did. As time goes on, something happens. Some kind of calamity. And I think the calamity isn't entirely brought about by this candy-making company. I think it's the Sour Patch Kids. I think the candy-making company creates something 
which allows the Sour Patch Kids to independently create more of each other. And by that point, it's all over. The Sour Patch Kids eventually overrun the world and wipe out the human race. They were already shown to be getting quite violent when it comes to when it comes to that one police lineup commercial. Yes. And once the humans are wiped out and the machines and things of the candy making company are left to run unattended, the Sour Patch Kids, who are already shown to be incredibly intelligent, begin trying to make their own modifications to the humans' machines. But the Sour Patch Kids are chaotic in nature. We have commercials in which the Sour Patch Kids are attacking each other. Uh, Several were observed to be ripping the arm off of another one of them and beating it with it. And I don't think any society created by the Sour Patch Kids could last. And through sabotage, the Sour Patch Kids machines that are built off of the humans' machines go out of control and begin to animate other things, other sugar-based life forms. And that's how we have the gum monsters. And that's how we have the gum monsters from the video game. And that brings us entirely up to the video game and the events that happen in there. I have to hear your critiques and opinions on the lore. Any additions? I, help me, help me fly. What did I miss? Help me flash it out because I think I think I've covered a lot of it. But I think your, I think I think it was solid. I think that's a that is a very very solid theory. <laughs> no, it's not a game theory. Well, it kind of is. Oh, wait. No, it's not even a film theory, is it? A food theory. It's a food theory. Steal all of the... (laughs) Well, we had to get this episode out before Matt Pat got to it. (laughs) I am going to have to submit the Sour Patch Kids lore. Go over to the theorist Reddit? Yeah. Once we we, uh, put out this episode, I will link it on the the theory Reddit. See if we can get some more followers. I, for one, welcome our candy overlords. I do not. They cut it. They killed us. They got rid of us. They destroyed the humanity. Well, humanity destroyed humanity, but that's not the point. Humanity destroyed. That's what we do. Well, Billy, it's always a good idea to not overstate your welcome. Do you have anything more you would like to add before we kind of wrap things up? No. These these episodes, they always end up with me talking quite a lot. Because you're so good at making... It's the lore, Billy. It's the deepest the lore. lore. Dear listeners, I thank you for listening. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at DeepLorable for, con- for updates and notifications when episodes go live and also to give us topic suggestions. Uh, if you have any lore that you think we missed about the Sour Patch Kids, by all means, let us know. Again, I, I'm i working on the sound situation vis-a-vis my microphone quality. That will be adjusted in the days to come. You can also email us at deplorablecontact at gmail.com. Thank you all again for listening. I'm Michael Bastine. And I'm Billy Staples. And you will hear from us next time. 
Bye.